Welcome to the Cyber Firefight Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Terran, the Deputy CISO at Fortinet and author of the book, Fight Fire with Fire, Proactive Cybersecurity Strategies for Today's Leaders. In this Cybersecurity Perspectives podcast, we will talk with a different cybersecurity expert from the book in each episode and discuss valuable perspectives and important takeaways from their individual chapter. Today, I'll be talking with my friend and colleague, Beth Ann Bigum, Chief Security and Compliance Officer at Axiom, about her chapter entitled From Forcer to Strategic Partner, The Changing Role of Governance, Risk, and Compliance. Welcome, Beth Ann. Hey, Renee. How are you? Great. Well, thanks for joining us today. Um, I know your topic is very interesting, and I know there's a lot definitely going on in that area. But before we dive into that topic, um, I'd really like for you to tell the audience, tell us a little bit about your background and how you came into the cybersecurity field. Well, uh, and thanks again, uh, Renee, for the opportunity to connect today. Uh, Cybersecurity as a profession, um, for me at least, was a non-traditional route. So, you know, when you talk about different kinds of security professionals, you've got maybe three types or three buckets of uh, career trajectories. And I was the one that was the securitist route and sort of went through uh, IT training for several years into IT compliance, into IT audit uh, assurance, I should say, and then into security. So, um it sort of reminds me of shoots and ladders. I'm probably showing my age here, but you know, it's that sort of route. And but along the way, it allowed me to pick up a number of um, bits of understanding, competencies, and skills that a CISO actually needs uh, because the uh, span of control and the expectation around understanding risk really is based on all those components. How do people behave? How does that behavior support compliance? How does the behavior in the compliance, how is it documented so it passes an audit? And then at the end of the day, how do we govern the organization so that we can maintain control over the risks elevating and creating a situation for our leaders? So it's been a journey, uh, constant learning, but I'm deeply appreciative. And of course, we're also very glad that you, you, you've made it into the cybersecurity field. But you know, <laughs> here, hearing your background, um, it, you know, it just sheds the light that, again, even when you talk to some of the other contributors to the book, you know, it shows that we all come from different backgrounds. We all came from different walk, walks of life. And I, I agree with you. I think it's something that it does lend um, additional value and perspectives to each of our careers. Because, again, you know, we're not cookie cutters. You know, we all come you know, from different uh, experiences and insights. For sure. Yeah, for sure. So from your perspective, um, you know, diving into your chapter a little bit, you know, how is that role of governance, risk and compliance, you know, changing within organizations? You know, it's been an amazing journey watching the role of governance evolve, at least for the past uh, 13 years that I've been hyper focused on. And it's evolved in an interesting piece. So whether or not We are entering into the conversation from an enterprise risk lens, uh, cybersecurity governance lens, NIST ISO kind of expectation or um, governance from um, sort of traditional oversight, corporate governance. Each one of those lenses are, are rapidly evolving because of the state of play as it relates to 
um, resilience, being able to demonstrate uh, the confidentiality, integrity, and availability of our assets. Um, so what is changing is that we are defending and assessing risk at a level that is code, right? It is a technical level. I think years ago, when we thought about governance, compliance, uh, quality management systems, they could be somewhat separated in the um, concept of having a policy and the policy dictate expectation and behavior, but not necessarily have a close um, assessment of risk that's captured at the standard or the procedure level. Well, we're past that now, right? You, you just think about all the contracts that we're evaluating, the third-party suppliers that we're evaluating, the ability to roll up a conversation around governing the landscape, governing the supply chain, governing the risk, understanding where to zero in and put your thumb on a pulse that could potentially, if it's not monitored, become um, a catastrophe uh, because we weren't assessing the right kind of risk. Uh, the cloud, um, the ability to develop um, solutions in the cloud, the ability to connect and trans transmit or translate, um, transfer data faster, more seamlessly using these capabilities changes the way that we assess risk. And that therefore it's been changing the GRC or the traditional GRC organizations. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree 100% because, I, again, I think, you know, for a lot of organizations, we're definitely facing um, more risks than we ha ever had, in the, you know, in the past, especially with the changing uh, in operating environments that we're all focusing on. Um, yeah. and so I think it's bringing it front and center for organizations is how, how do you manage this risk and how do you communicate it? Yes, yes, yeah. And so, you know, Definitely you know, related to that is, you know, um, is the compliance, you know, governing bodies within organizations. And <laughs> a lot of times, you know, you get, you know, the eye rolls, you know, when you, you have that discussion because, um, you know, a lot of times these, these governing bodies are perceived as more overhead um, that create, you know, more processes that, you know, you know, can create project uh, delay the timelines and also create more tasks that require, you know, lots more approvals from you know, the various stakeholders. Um, and so how can organizations change this paradigm? Yeah, I'm laughing because uh, I, I, I come from that journey, right? I, I, I'm one of those, you know, long, I go, you know, I say back in the day, but, you know, I'm a huge fan of a really nice quality management system. You give me a really well-structured procedure, I'm all over that. But I can't, right? I can't be that way anymore because my my organization, my team, my purpose is to drive value for the company, and that means I have to I have to understand and I have to assess faster. It's not easy. I think it's easier to say no than it is to find a way to say and get to yes. Um, so that means that for me and for my team, we have to take more time studying, training, understanding the technology looking through the technology and its various levels of capability to even assess, is there truly a risk? Um, and, and so that puts more pressure on the team to be, uh, to fast track uh, constant development. Uh, and it also places uh, some pressure on the team to translate or totally overhaul the way they communicate to the internal customer. 
Uh, you know, I was in a meeting earlier today and we were preparing for some opportunities. Uh, and it's very easy for me to rattle off the different types of security compliance and regulatory expectations. But that's not the world that my internal customer lives in. So, you know, it means I take some time before the meeting. I'm communicating in terms of how do I enable this, you know, drive for acceleration, but give you the key points that you've got to pay attention to so you're constantly audit ready, your code is resilient, you've done the right testing, and at the long run, this saves you time, right? So, the concepts around shift left, helping our engineers and our architects understand that, making the, the, the tools and the, the um, sort of the traditional compliance capabilities more nimble and automated uh, is really the paradigm shift. And, you know, sometimes I've got to take a step back when I head down that narrative that I know it sounds like a, you know, old school compliance person. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's really where you start to win that, you know, the win the internal customer. Yeah, and I think you, you nail it on the head, even in the title of your chapter, where it's, you know, it's moving from more of being perceived as an enforcer to a strategic right. partner. <laughs> because again, you got to be seen as adding value to, the, to those business customers. Yeah. So you, you touched on just briefly um, a second ago, but you know, one thing organizations are struggling with is how they keep track of all of their compliance. You know, I've seen, you know, spreadsheets and, and you know, <laughs> as, as a way of doing it. Um, but, you know, in this fast paced environment that, you know, we really need to be looking at automating compliance so that we can kind of keep pace. Um, you know, what advice, you know, you talked about in your chapter is, you know, how can organizations leverage automating compliance? You know, that's a great question, Renee. And sometimes you just have to look at your annual investment and your budget and say, we're going to bite the bullet this year. We're going to jump in this year and we are going to um, have some uh, professional services come in and automate our controls. So for a, a lot of, you know, the you, for your company, my company, a lot of the CISOs that we collaborate with uh, that support tech, uh, you're talking about multiple um, industry frameworks that you have to uh, assess or audit against and capture the evidence and the controls may be slightly different, but the evidence may apply across multiple uh, mediums. So automation is our friend. Uh, you know, again, I've been in the uh, industry for a, a while. So if I think back, uh, automation wasn't something that you easily translated into a compliance function. Now, it should be the first thing when a GRC professional is laying out their strategy for the coming year, you know, the year or multi-year. Um, and it starts as early as uh, upstream, you know, can we automate the platform solutions that our engineers are developing in, like the CICD pipeline capabilities, whether you're interfacing between um, the... Uh, SaaS uh, testing uh, tool, make sure that's automated. It's got the policies in there. It's integrated into your CICD pipeline. You're training your engineers to look for those vulnerabilities early. Get that as upstream and as far left as possible. And then be able to educate and um, 
the, you know, the employees or the associates all through that life cycle as we're supporting the systems that process or host our data, uh, they need to understand how to look for any defects or uh, issues uh, around automating compliance. So automation is our friend. Um, sometimes it'll take a few dollars to get that automation roadmap. Uh, but once that's defined, it's a great win. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I mean, a lot of people look at compliance as being a very daunting task, but when you yes. leverage the technology <laughs> and tools, yes. um, then it can ease your burden and, you know, ease, even even ease the burden of, you know, some of your business units and like you even mentioned the developers, you know, automating the SaaS and stuff like that. So um, again, I think it's, you, you nailed it, that really automating that compliance is really going to be essential for organizations going, going forward. Yeah. Yes. So when you talk about delivering value in a changing environment, um, you, you mentioned that organizations really should looking at quantifying the value versus the costs. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by that? Yeah, for sure. And we literally, we are midstream in our 2021 uh, calculations, so we can present this to leadership. And, you know, all these questions and the whole conversation rolls up into one nice little nugget, which is... Uh, we're in a we're at a point in time where demonstrating compliance is it has to be automated. Once we're able to do that and we've captured that automation, then you could start creating these nice calculations. So we um, we are we are subject to or we participate in a significant number of audits per year, uh, probably like a lot of other technology companies. Uh, and and uh, this year, what we or actually starting last year, what we were able to do is begin to capture the cost associated with um, preparing for the audit. And this is not just my team; it's all the, the engineers, the architects, the software um, developers, system administrators. We started to catalog the amount of time it took for them to prepare for an audit, sit and present at the audit. And then, um, you know, respond back. And over the course of, we, and we just did it over three major audits. Um, and over the course of those audits, we were able to demonstrate improved efficiency through the reduction of uh, impact on employee hours, uh, associate hours. Um, and then we were able to actually physically, uh, you know, demonstrate the fact that we had shifted costs associated um, or applied across three major audits. We were able to shift it left. We were able to reduce the time. And then the cost to deliver the audit actually went down significantly. So those are the kinds of conversations that allow um, sort of the... Um, you know, the world of compliance to have... Um, you know, to be translated into business terms, right? We all operate the business for um, profit. Uh, I am a cost um, center, and I am now able to translate and speak in terms of cost savings through resource hours, through the reduction of, of required time, because I drove it the automation strategy, right? So it's all connected and it really allows us to speak about our service like most business leaders speak about the line, their lines of business. And that's what resonates with, with leadership. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially with environments where you're looking at, you know, the security and IT and even compliance, you know, we're, we are seen as organizations that, you know, are cost gener- generating, you know, we yes. cost. <laughs> um, so I think what organizations can do to, like I said, drive that value that you're adding to the organization, um, I think it is a huge because again, you know, it, it shows the value you're bringing into the organization, um, but also showing that, you know, you're trying to align with the business and, you know, reduce those costs um, and overhead that, you know, our organizations ultimately generate. Yeah. Um, so as we start to wind down um, 2021, it's been another, um, you know, interesting uh, year, you know, still dealing with things with the pandemic. Um, but as we start looking forward into the new year with 2022, um, what would be some additional advice that you would give um, leaders as we start off in the new year? Uh, that's a great question, Renee, and I, and I think it ties back to um, continuing to shift your GRC strategy so that it's closer to the corporate, the tangible corporate value, you know, revenue-producing strategy, right? Um, it, it, we we are way past a point in time where the compliance strategy is simply keeping us audit ready and allowing us to pass an audit or a regulatory audit. I mean, that's just, that's ticket to entry, right? Um, there's more. And in our, in our job as, as uh, forward-looking thought leaders is to find that more and then uh, make it tangible. So automation is the start. Understanding the technology is the next piece. Building out the ability to translate the service into a a financial or cost efficiency model. And then continue to drive that narrative. You know, security is the enabler. I think I shared that in the text. And this is a quote that I got from one of my uh, CISO uh, sponsors that 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 I worked with. But because security is one of the main enablers to building out a frictionless ecosystem, our roles as uh, security professionals and leaders will start to take a more prominent um, position as we negotiate between different lines of business to find efficiency, create the secure, a secure approach to connect companies and entities and then turn that into continued revenue opportunities. Uh, it's a total different world. It's a different mindset, but there's a lot there to unpack. And it's it's an opportunity that we can all take advantage of. Absolutely. I think that's some great advice for leaders as we start going into 2022. Bethann, thank you so much for, first of all, being a contributor to the book, but also being a leader and role model in this in- industry. Um, again, you always provide valuable insights and looking forward to gaining more insights from your chapter. Oh, thank you. And thanks for the partnership, Renee, and, and the team. It's been an it's been a, a amazing year this year. If you want more information on Fight Fire with Fire, go to our blog at ftnt.net slash cyber firefight.